I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello and welcome back to the FPL Roundtable, the only fantasy Premier League podcast where we guarantee that you might learn something about fantasy, probably. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. Joining me, as always, is my good friend and partner in crime, Rob Langevin. Now, Rob, we have a lot of fantasy stuff uh, to get to. We covered a lot of narrative stuff last week. We'll get more into stats and obviously preview stuff um because we we have Premier League matches back this weekend but the thing I wanted to bring up to you first is how many big clubs are missing out on the World Cup now people may not know yet I don't think we've actually discussed it but we can now say that you know we're going to be covering the World Cup and and the game surrounding it uh so feel free to start getting excited for that now but do you think that there will be less interest in the World Cup and inherently fantasy for the World Cup because we're going to be missing teams like Ireland, like Wales, like Netherlands, like Italy. A lot of heavy hitters seem to be missing this tournament. Yeah, Chile, Chile, uh, Ivory Coast. I mean, there's the list, the list goes on and on and on about teams that are, uh, you know, now missing now that the field is completely, completely set. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't think it's going to, there's going to be attention drawn away from it because I think the people that, listen, we're in the United States. Everybody listening to this is all over the world. Um, we're hearing more voices about it being bad because we're in the United States and we hear those voices more mm. prominent. Um, when a team like Italy goes out, it's one of the, you know, I'm using quotation fingers here, you know, quotation powerhouse football, you know, countries in the world because they have won four World Cups, you know, and they haven't missed out since 1958. So it is a, is it is, it's a significant thing because they are, you know, a perennial you know, favorite to be, do well and succeed in the World Cup. So I think that's why you're hearing more noise about it. Um, I, you know, from a fantasy point, when it comes around a World Cup, um, looking at the Italy squads and looking at the Ireland squads and Northern Ireland and Ivory Coast and the United States, if, if you're involved in a selective, you know, World Cup fantasy-based team, how many guys from the U.S. and Italy, based on what you saw, were you actually going to be, you know, reliant on in, mm. in the World Cup, that's the whole thing. I just think that the the world's voices are being more prominent because of the because of the team stature, like Italy, and because the United States is basically the media center of the world. So I think that's why you're hearing more about it. Um, you know, I'm just I'm just waiting for the the NIT Cup of uh, of fantasy uh, soccer to come out. <laughs> yeah, a lot of uh, people joking about that right now. Um, there there seemed to be a report earlier that some of the FAs were in contact, but I think it ended up being a <laughs> on the hoaxy side of things. But I yeah, mean, you, make I, a, you make a great point because if you think about a, a nation like Italy, like all of the defenders, you know, Chiellini, Barzagli, Buffon would have been interesting and Signe up front. But to your point, 
uh, we weren't really seeing the performances that would have made you want to play them anyway, even though they're big names. What I what I think we could see from a, a fantasy aspect and a, and a real life um, uh, context as well will be lots of new names. Right. Absolutely. The World Cup is still going to be a fantastic tournament, yeah. despite whatever FIFA shenanigans happen, despite the fact that Russia had to build a stadium with more seats than they thought there would be. So they've had to build stands outside of the physical stadium that can see into it. Like, yes, there's always nightmares and kind of shit shows surrounding the World Cup, but we will be just as excited when it comes. And with yeah, so many established players not going, it just leaves the platform available for more people to go and grasp it with both hands. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of an easy segue into today's match um, with Christian Eriksen. Scores a hat trick to ensure that Denmark are on the plane, leave... Uh, Ireland at home. We spoke on our last show about how it kind of looked time to shift off of Ericsson and Silva. How much do you buy into international performances like Ericsson's? D- does that make you want to keep a player or do you kind of think it's a little out of context with uh, international teams versus Premier League? Christian Ericsson's, Ericsson's past in internationals and coming back into the Premier League is an intriguing one. It's an intriguing one enough that um, if you're an owner in Ericsson, you're probably holding now because of his performance today. Um, I think I brought it up in a DFS show that we did uh, you know, a couple months ago that coming off of the international breaks and then playing in a Premier League game right after that, Ericsson has scored in the 20-point range or above like eight, eight or nine consecutive times since coming off the inter- international break and on the regular Premier League DFS slate. So, I mean, I know DFS stats don't correlate because they do have scoring categories that aren't in the official game. But having three, scoring three goals, I know Ireland is not the most out thing, and they were kind of playing up a pitch a little bit and, try, and got caught a couple times. But three goals is three goals. That momentum has got to carry over. And it's the same thing with, with David Silva. He's you know, coming off two goals and an assist in the game on Friday, I believe. Um, that, that's another intriguing fact. And both these guys were being transferred out a lot. In fact, David, David Silva is actually scheduled to go down tonight because of his, his, his transfers out. So I don't know if that news is going to, you know, ripple effect through the, the transfers in transfers out. And maybe, maybe Silva will stay where he is and not go down in price, but I don't think he can transfer Erickson out. I know it's a Derby match against Arsenal. I know that there's a big hype around the game because they hate each other and they're rivals, but both teams have the ability to score goals against each other. Yes, Spurs is a little more stouter defensively, but Arsenal's no slouch defensively either. So there's there's going to be a little little hem and haw here with when regards to fantasy because yes, Eriksson has not been involved recently, and that's why the downtick in transfers and the availability of him being picked is is down. But you know he's still Christian Eriksson. He's still one of the top six fantasy players in the, in the official game universe. Mm. Um, just because he's been down doesn't mean you should jump off a, uh, off the train now when he just came off a hat trick. Um, you know, momentum is a, a huge boost for, for me when I'm looking at players. I'd rather have you know, form and common sense over fixtures. And Erickson, to me, looks like a, an extreme hold this week. I would not transfer out. Because I think people are more panicking because he's playing Arsenal than 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 him being you know you know on the on the wrong side of the horse. Mm. Interesting stuff uh, for sure. Continuing the international to Premier League news, um, two big uh, potential injuries, one kind of lesser one. Um, we'll start off with uh, Sadio Mane, another leg injury. Um, no timetable yet. Obviously, he has to return to. Uh, Liverpool training ground, I believe it's Melwood, um, and then get tested out by their doctors there. How, if you're a Mane owner, 
or even if you're not, how valuable can Sadio Mane really be in fantasy when you have to constantly take him in and out of your team? Like, how many transfers can you let one player eat up from you a season before you say maybe it's just better to have somebody with maybe a little less upside, but you can just leave in your lineup and don't have to worry about this seemingly every other week? You know, this Mane injury completely comes at the wrong time. Because right now, with game week 12, you have this this week's affair. Then you have 13, 14, 15, all happen in eight days of each other. There's three there's three fixtures, weekend, mid midweek, and then weekend again. So if he's not fit for this week and then rushes back for week 13 and is not himself, his availability for the midweek game is probably going to be null and void. And then the weekend fixture, you could probably cross that out as well. So basically, you're taking out four fixtures right now. I'm not saying I don't know the severity of it. There still hasn't been news breaking of it. But I'm just saying with with leg injuries such as this and Mane relying so much of his game on his legs and speed, how much going forward, you know, especially looking at the next four weeks. You know, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago, how important games weeks 13, 14, and 15 were because it's the first, you know – rampart of the uh you know truncated schedule that's shoved into so many so many yeah, days and so many super busy winter schedule you know, it, it's funny if you look at the we're in game week 12 right now game week 11 just happened the first 11 game weeks took 87 days to complete the next 11 game weeks take 47 days <laughs> wow that is an intriguing thing and that takes that's you basically to, to new year's mm. so i mean Guys with health issues are not guys that you want to roster right now. I know the the, the risk risk to gamble you know thing is such a tempting beast. It's like you know it's like the the, the crack that you want to just run for it and go. Ah, I want Sadio Mane on my team, but you know how much can you trust him if he's going to continually get get niggles and and cost you in and out you know minus fours or constantly trading out a usable asset to bring Sadio Mane back in and then he doesn't play and you bring him back out, you know. I'm kind of on the avoid Sadio Mane thing. I love Sadio Mane. I think he's one of the, the one of the most intrinsic fantasy players in here because when he's fit, he's a Ferrari. But when he's you know he's got these quotation you know injuries or you know the hazard signs or the stop signs or mm-hmm. you know everything that the official game offers you for injuries, you know it makes it makes me wonder if he's if he's actually worth his price tag that's in the nines. Yeah, it it, it can be problematic for ownership. <laughs> the next one we differ on a little bit. We discussed that. Uh, off air earlier uh, Sergio Aguero gets taken off at halftime reportedly faints some outlets saying he lost consciousness some saying he didn't rush to the hospital we get an update from Manchester City saying that it was severe dizziness he is able to return to the country which was a question mark at one point today of whether or not he'd be allowed back on the plane um, obviously uh, altitude and pressurized cabins can cause issues for for different kinds of injuries uh, but he will be flying back my issue with every time Sergio Aguero's name pops up injury-wise, is mm-hmm. unlike Liverpool, Pep could just play Jesus. Mm-hmm. There isn't somebody that good at Liverpool. It's, it's been Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, most recently, but <laughs> you, there's a big drop between Mane to Oxlade-Chamberlain. From Aguero to Jesus, that gap is much smaller, at least in terms of output, where Jesus still scores every time. So even something as small as this, we already know <laughs> that Pep... And Pochettino, a lot of the uh, Bielsa disciples tend to like to rest players that have had to travel the farthest or have played the most recently. Uh, usually for Argentina, it's like when they play on a Wednesday and have mm-hmm. a Saturday match. And you're just like, oh, well, he's not playing. Um, but e- even if he's fit, this is the kind of thing I really don't like about what Pep's doing at Manchester City. From a footballing aspect, I think it's terrific 
that he's able to pick and choose his battles with different players. It's it's great for a club that has dealt with so many high-profile injuries that in theory they could preempt some of them by any time somebody's feeling a little off, you can just say, you know what, never mind, we'll deal with it next week. But for fantasy, that is a nightmare, and I think it's one of the reasons we struggle with Pep so much. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Aguero uh, fainting today and its impact on his fantasy future? Oh, look at it this way. The one thankful thing, if you're an Aguero owner, is this happened in Russia. It didn't happen in Argentina. You know, thank God that this happened in Krasnodar yeah. and not, not in Buenos Aires. Because if it was in Buenos Aires, they'd be a complete half a day behind, plus the flight back, which he may have made, may or may not have had to wait for. And then when he gets here, he's got to be reevaluated. And you're basically looking at Thursday. Thank God this happened on Tuesday, and he's basically flying backwards in time instead of ahead in time <laughs> because Russia's ahead of England. You time know, difference, yeah. Time difference. So from that standpoint, this is a, this is a good thing. That I I believe that this was just um, a case of him getting too much a little uh, potato vodka in him and <laughs> being dehydrated and just coming out at halftime. Um, Krasendor is known to have you know a good party scene. I hear it's almost like the New Orleans of Russia. Um, so um, that could be the the complete reason. Maybe he went to someone's quinceanera in Russia. Who knows? I don't know. But <laughs> also, let us know if there's a Russian equivalent to the quinceanera. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, this this is troubling today because it's Tuesday. But he has three whole days to get back, get fit before a press conference where we'll hear. But, yeah, absolutely. But but the troubling thing is, like you said, it's a perfect thing. If if he doesn't go, Man City is not in any trouble because they have a, a Gabriel Jesus there to just go. Okay, I'm ready to go. And funny thing is, Jesus has still never lost a game playing for Man City. So he's <laughs> like their good luck teddy bear. That, <laughs> I think that, that record even goes back to his time in Brazil as well. It's, yeah. it's just really, really it, silly. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, the, the last one is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who is still fairly well-owned, as, as Rob informs me. Um, obviously was a, a high uh, ownership guy to start the season as a, as a cheap budget midfielder. Hasn't really made an impact at Crystal Palace. Did look good in England's first match of the international break. Got pulled after, what was it, like a half an hour, I think? Yeah, um, 30 something minutes. Yeah, for England today. Does, do you think this has any impact on people? Do you think people that have held on to RLC are, are even playing him at this point? Well, this is this is the problem when when Loftus Cheek gets hurt with his price tag where it is in the fours. You know, it causes you to look at your roster and go, okay, do I transfer out a guy that I'm not really going to play anyway to back myself up and have a usable fixture, usable guy on the bench, or? Do I run the gamble that I'm never going to get down to that far in the sub sub you know the subs in that it really matters? So it, it basically it, it's either going to cause you to make a transfer you don't really need to make because his price is basically a dump at this point at four point five I believe it is. But in in hindsight you could also just say eh whatever he could just sit on my bench until I, until I need a until I'm pressured into using a, a you know a transfer to get him in. But it also brings up well, I'm going to bring it up again thirteen fourteen and fifteen. Three games in eight days for a lot of these teams. That is not a good thing for somebody who's going to be out or injured or have a flag on, especially when it comes to that point where, you know, some of these teams are going to have rotation issues. Some of them are going to have, you know, guys that get injured during that that period. So you're going to need transfers in and transfers out for guys that you're going to have to use. So, I mean, staring at Loftus-Cheek as basically your 15th man on, on the bench it is all well and good. But when push comes to shove – and you need that you need that fifteenth player because it could be a possibility in the next four, next you know four yeah. you know fourteen days, basically. 
Yeah, so, that's, I mean, that's a great point, man. It's it's tough. To, it's tough to take a, a, a user for one free transfer on a guy like Ruben Loftus Cheek and actually try to bring in somebody who has a usable, you know, usability to him. I mean, look at the guys that are, are surrounding him in price at four point five. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. I Carol, mean, I'm, who I'm, hasn't done anything for Swansea. I'm I'm looking at it right now. I mean, it's it's Oriol Romeu, Carroll, uh, Stevens. My my favorite, who I said you should have changed to thousands of months ago, but he just doesn't get the defensive points. Fabian Delph at four point five. Mm. Um, you know, there's, and then after that, it's just nothing. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that you you hear about, but fairly ever see points from. You know, it's. It's just not a good thing. It's like it, it's actually a it's a worse thing that he's injured because you're gonna be you're gonna look at yourself and be like, do I really want to transfer out a four dot five guy and bring in another four dot five guy because you don't have the funds to go you know jump up crazy, to, you know to go from a Loftus Cheek to a Richarlson because you probably own Richarlson already as your fourth midfielder who is kind of like your you know your secondary you know midfield dump. Yeah. So basically, losing a guy who's completely useless at four to five probably hurts more than losing like a Sergio Aguero because you, at least Aguero, you have the funds to go almost any direction. You can you can you can go down to a Marata. You can go to a Lukaku. You can probably get back to Lukaku. But when you have a Loftus Cheek, you know you can't get up past. You can't get up to the the elites. You can't get up to the eights from Loftus mm-hmm. Cheek. You know nobody's saving that kind of money in their bank. If they are, I want to I want to know <laughs> what their trick is because they're probably outside the top two million. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, I'm not going to do the showbiz thing and be like, I understand you want to talk about strikers. Like we talked about earlier, that you yeah. wanted to talk about strikers. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm, I'm noticing a trend in, in the in the striker market. A lot of teams are going away from you know the big three ticket items. So based, based on what I've been looking at, Kevin, uh, basically it starts at Glenn Murray at 5.8. And matriculates down from that. So basically, what what budget third striker would you feel most comfortable with over the next two fixtures? And I'll, mm. I'll read them. I'll read them down to you, so so you don't have to do all the research yourself. <laughs> Great. Uh, it's it's Glenn Murray at five point eight, owned in two point one percent of leagues. He has Stoke United. I actually threw another one in there for him. It's got he's got Palace. Andre Ayew five point one, four point one percent owns. Has Burnley and Bournemouth. Omar Nias four point nine price, two point five percent owned. Has Palace. And Southampton. Tammy Abraham, 5.9, 17.6 ownership. He's like the bell of the cheap ball. <laughs> Burnley and Bournemouth are the next two, two fixtures. Calvert Lewin, 5.0 in price, 2.1% owned. Palace and Southampton on the fixture list. Mama Doof, 5.5, 4.5% owned, has Brighton and Palace. Now, I picked these five, these five guys because they're all under 6.0 for strikers. They're all owned in you know less than five percent. Besides Tammy Abraham, I just threw him in there because he's kind of the outlier because mm-hmm. people have have been had. Tammy Abraham is basically if you don't already own a third cheap striker, you already own Tammy Abraham. So don't you could probably fast forward this podcast to when we're done with this conversation because <laughs> you already own him. But for everybody else, everybody else is owned at five point five percent less and all have decent enough fixtures, but they all play for for middling teams. So, Kevin, out of those five guys, or you could throw in a random guy that I didn't include, maybe like a Callum Wilson who did feature last week mm. and, you know, last game week. Yeah. But out of those five guys, are, is there anybody that you're buying more on the, uh, oh, he's intrinsic, but I maybe I don't really have to play him if I'm upgrading somewhere else because he's my cheap third striker? Yeah, I mean, Glenn Murray is the obvious one statistically right now. Um, he said for the most goals over the last five matches with four. He has two bottom five defenses in his next five matches, 
And uh, that's despite a team that has a very, very low chances created rate. 18th in the league are Brighton uh, in chances created. This, and this, only 11 goals in the year. Yeah. Statistically, this leaves you in a very interesting spot. Do you think that this means that he can perform without good service? Or do you think it means that he's overperformed the service that he's getting and that at some point that'll come back? <laughs> For example, last year you had Fernando Lorente drastically overperformed the chances he was given. A large, large part of it is that all of them came from Sigurdsson that ended up in the back of the net. Um, but some players are just able to maintain above that level. We don't know what that answer is yet for Glenn Murray. Um, he's obviously um, uh, uh, statistically the guy to go to right now. The United match, what is it next week? He has United, I think, if memory serves. Um, yeah, Stoke is, United Palace in the next Right. Week. So two of those um, are bottom five, which is terrific. Um, United, obviously, one you don't really like, but that's kind of the point of having a third-budget striker, is that you can rotate him with whoever your fifth midfielder is, which, as we just discussed, shouldn't be Ruben Loftus-Cheek anymore. It should be like Pascal Gross or somebody in, in that vein. Um, so Glenn Murray, I think, is obviously the way to go. Uh, you mentioned Mama D- Biram Diouf, uh, who you do have a love affair with, but in one of the weirdest continuing sagas in football... He has now moved back to more of a wingback role for Stoke. Not always as a true winger. He's actually tracking back at times. And, you know, when he started going on that run, what did he score? Three consecutive goals, I think, uh, three mm-hmm. consecutive matches. Three, three he weeks, was yeah. playing as an out-and-out forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now he's moved back further in the pitch. Now it's, uh, what's your thing, ECMC squared <laughs> equals MC squared? Yeah. Um, uh, and now, yeah, and now he's he's performing well up front for them. Um, so I'm, I'm leaning off GF. I do currently own him. Um, he's currently kind of my price dump right now. Um, would like to move off of him, but I've already made a move that we'll obviously talk about later and considering another one that isn't related to GF. Um, but those are the two that I'm definitely looking at, um, right now. Things could get interesting, um, at West Ham. Like you could have somebody like, uh, Diafra Sacco all of a sudden getting a larger role if he was fit. Uh, who's down there in price as well. Uh, De Poitre did very well um, uh, while, uh, I just forgot, Mounier was out injured um, mm-hmm. and is now keeping him out. Like It, it seems um, right now that De Poitre has kept that job. Uh, but Huddersfield also not creating loads of chances. Um, for, for me, if you want to have a rotating piece, third forward, that's absolutely up to you. And remember that this game is supposed to be fun. So if there's somebody you, you prefer as a fan or he plays for a team that you would rather watch on the weekend, um, go for that guy. But as I've said multiple times now, because I'm rambling, um, <laughs> uh, Glenn Murray is definitely the, the ace choice right now. But again, as and you've talked about this on past shows, there is oftentimes a punishment for chasing the players that have been good. Mm-hmm. Instead of finding the ones that will be good, so there's also a tint to that here. But for me, if if um, I had a higher price for, it, like if I had a Vardy and didn't have a lot of money, like didn't have the money to climb all the way up to like an Aguero or a Jesus or a Kane or anybody like that, I think downgrading to somebody in this class is absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, Glenn, <laughs> I could have just said Glenn Murray. The short answer is Glenn Murray. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Glenn Murray, based on what he's done the last three game weeks, you know, four goals. Six bonus points during those three games. Uh, you know he's the bell of the six dot oh ball. Uh, Fifty two thousand transfers in right now. That that number is probably going to go up, you know, exponentially by the time we get to you know Friday night, you know American time, and then Saturday morning, this crazy. He'll probably be 
he might go up in price this week. Who knows based on his, his ins and ins and outs. But, you know, there, there's a lot of intrigue for punting down for me on my own current team because, mm. like you mentioned, I do own Jamie Vardy. So I'm not probably sticking with Jamie Vardy this week. So I kind of asked this question because I wanted to get your your thumb on my team without actually <laughs> asking you what I should do. But um, <clears throat> I have I have reasons to go one way. I like Glenn Murray. I can go that way. But I kind of have a feeling about another guy. But we're gonna have to wait till start and sit. Ooh, a little a little tease, a little foreshadowing yeah. there yeah, for you. Yeah. But uh, so so <laughs> we'll get to we get it in the B block to get yes. show busy about it. So before we get into start and sits, I do have one more thing because his name is a big name in the football world, and he is starting to get back into fitness. Paul Pogba mm. is in training now for United. We, what we saw in the beginning of the year and how he fit into the United system, his price, 8.0. His ownership is, is climbing back up. It was at 5, five change. It is now at, in the 8s. Um, people are starting to buy back in and buy back early. Um I don't think he's going to play this weekend, but an 8.0 for next week when they play Brighton. Are you a buyer of Paul Pogba at 8.0? I personally will not be, but I would not begrudge anybody that wanted to be. Um, <laughs> Manchester United with Paul Pogba in the team was a very, very different prospect. Um, the Lukaku drought that we've seen lately, I think a lot of us are just chalking up to Lukaku droughts, which are empirically a thing. Um, but they happened pretty coincidingly with um, Pogba's absence from the team. Manchester United were averaging over three goals per game with Pogba in it, and mm-hmm. it's one point something since he's been gone. Mm-hmm. The effect has been massive. Um, I don't think McTarian uh, can carry the workload creatively, and he clearly has not been um, without Pogba as a, I don't want to say a secondary option, just a deeper option. Mm-hmm. Um, in the formation, um, the the fact that um, Mourinho can't decide <laughs> that Anthony Martial is currently better than Marcus Rashford um, prevents uh, creativity from the left because um, Rashford always just wants to cut in and shoot anyway, um, which is crazy to say because Martial was also a striker at one point, uh, but he does seem willing to stay a little bit wider at times. Um, if you, I, I, no, no, I, I would not buy Pogba yet. If you want to, feel free, but I think this could be a situation where you end up waiting another week than you thought, especially as Rob already pointed out, with the quick turnaround after next week's matches, uh, mm-hmm. he could make the one after that. It'd be really easy. Same with the Aguero thing, right? Like, what if what if he just feels a little tight the day before yeah. the match? Why would risk him? Just use him the next Absolutely. week. Um, so, yeah, I'm not buying in yet, but obviously he, he's a very, very big name. Uh, in football and a very interesting option in fantasy. That 8.0 price tag is still a little higher than I would like, but mm-hmm. if he gets going the way he was at the start of the season, that's absolutely worth it. Yeah, what we saw in the beginning of the year is what everybody hoped we were going to get from Paul Pogba last year and didn't get. Yeah. And then, you know, he came out Adele of Ali like, is what we wanted Paul Pogba to be yeah. last year. You know, twenty. He had twenty six point twenty thirty one points in the first four games. Two goals, three assists. Um, like you mentioned, the goals have just fallen off a cliff dramatically for for United since that since he basically went away. McTarian has basically dissipated into nothingness. Um, yeah, I mean, at eight based on what his ownership was when he was the, and probably like week two when he had a goal and two assists, I believe his ownership was in almost thirty percent there. Um, 
I get buying in early at eight you know, eight dot oh at eight eight point four percent owned right now. But with the with the truncated schedule next you know, after this game week, they, they play they play Newcastle this week on November eighteenth. They play Brighton on the twenty fifth, and then they play Watford on the twenty eighth. Oof. And then they play Arsenal on the December second. Mm. So, like I said, that's four, that's three games in eight days for for a guy coming back from a severe hamstring injury. Um, yes, the, the the fixtures look fantastic, um, but yeah, I mean, you're probably only going to get him for two of those games. It'll probably be the Brighton game and the Arsenal game. He'll probably skip the middle fixture of that. Mm. But I don't think you can. I don't think you could buy in until after that, and then after that, you get Man City. So you're basically looking at mid-December for somebody of that kind of investment because by that time he would be fully healed, fully vested, you know, invested in the full 90, and then you could attack. So I mean, I, you know, kudos to everybody buying in early and then having 8.0 sit on your bench. Um, like I said, this is another one of those. I want to see your team because I want to thank you for being outside the two million and making me look better. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I this is a complete weight right now for Paul Pogba. I know Pogba is going to give you returns eventually. But but don't do it yet. There's so many other pieces to your team that you could probably fix by putting a big star name in there right now. Doesn't make your team look any better because he's on his be- on your bench. Mm, yeah, good good point there. Um, we will take a quick break and then we'll be back with plenty more fantasy analysis on the other side. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get twenty percent below MSRP for an average of fifteen thousand one seventy eight under MSRP on the purchase of a twenty twenty three Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland four by e or Summit four by e. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. Fifteen thousand one seventy eight average based on twenty percent below average MSRP from all twenty twenty three Grand Cherokee Overland four by e and Summit four by e models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by four one. Jeep is a registered trademark. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. All right, and we are back. Uh, the reason that was more vaguely worded than usual is because uh, now we're going to get into price changes before we lead into our start sets. Rob, people should bear in mind that these will continue to change uh, yeah. as internationals uh, now wind down. Um, yeah. People will start really, really making their moves, making money moves, to quote Cardi yeah. B. Um, yeah. But who all who has been uh, shifting in the fantasy markets, as it were? Well, since the the World Cup matches basically just ended maybe an hour and a half ago in the states, you know, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so the market's going to be in flux a ton from basically when you start hearing this until the Friday meeting, Saturday morning, you know, English time. Um, but the price up so far, there's been a, there's been a decent amount of movement going on, but it's guys that you you expect to be going up and guys that you expect to be going down. Um, I'll just run through them real quick. Prices ups: Stephen Ward, Cesar Aspulqueta, John Stones. Phil Jones, Kieran Trippier, um, all pretty obvious. Espelquet is the probably one of the best scoring is the best scoring defender. Uh, Phil Jones is the cheap one of the cheaper entry points to United. John Stones is the Odomende fill-in probably for a lot of people that are shifting off Nicholas Odomende this week. They don't feel like that they can structure a team without having another defender in there from City, so they're going that route. Trippier is kind of a confusing one. I'm not really buying Spurs this week, but 
to each their own. And Stephen Ward is a phenomenal Burnley buy. You know, we, we mentioned on last week's podcast that how many Burnley players are enough. You know, maybe one in the Heavenly Father, two defenders in the Heavenly Father. You know, it doesn't matter. Burnley has an up, a nice set of upcoming fixtures. You could probably invest wisely. Uh, through the midfield, Andrew Sermon, uh, Mohamed Salah, Fernandinho, and Leroy Sané have gone up. Uh, Sané and Salah, obviously, they're big investment points right now for the midfield, a lot of FPL players. Uh, Fernandinho was a fantastic dump for on a high-scoring team. He basically is like the uh, the one A to Fabian Delft's one B, but he just gets him. But he actually scores and gets assists. So at his price tag in the fives, he's a phenomenal buy. Andrew Sermon is the is this weekly punt, but he's been on here twice in a row for price up. So people are looking at the Bournemouth. The, yeah, the Bournemouth. What is he, Bournemouth? Yeah, Bournemouth, right? Mm-hmm. Andrew Sermon? Yeah. yeah, Bournemouth. Yeah, the Bournemouth midfielder as someone that they can invest their pennies in. Uh, and the forwards, obviously, we talked about him. It's Glenn Murray and Andre Ayew. Uh, Ayew's is a shocking one. I think it's, that he's just the lower price point at 5.1. I think it's allowing people to you know diversify their money more through the midfield. And if you look, I didn't bring this up before because I was trying to save time, but uh, if you look at the top five scoring defenders, midfielders, and top five scoring forwards, the midfielders are outscoring everyone by almost 20-something points. Yeah. So I think that people are, are shifting their funds to the midfield and playing maybe like a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 or something like that. But uh, definitely invest kindly in your midfield because that's where most of your points are going to come from, come from because they get more points for a goal, they get more assists than everybody, and they get a point for having a clean sheet, unlike forward. So that's probably where the difference in scoring is coming from. Yeah, um, Yeah. just uh, all, the, all those uh, little points that really add up over 38 weeks. Yeah, it, it totally they totally do. It's crazy. Uh, on the price downs, uh, Andres Christensen uh, scored a little wang bang goal today against <laughs> maybe maybe classifies an OG later, yeah, but that quote, really doesn't quote unquote scored. Really doesn't matter. He's still the cheapest entry point into Chelsea. Uh, Cahill is is reportedly back fit now, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits in if he does fit in or if he plays alongside with him. Uh, Dejan Lovren, I'm only mentioning him because it's Dejan Lovren. He should be in the downs. Uh, Ryan Bertrand is gone down for Southampton. Southampton is not a place where you want to invest any of your money right now defensively. They just don't look all frazzled and razzled. Uh, Hagazi has and gone Fraser down. Forster, sorry, not to interrupt. Fraser okay. Forster at one point looked a very talented keeper. What on earth has happened to him over the last uh, eight to ten months? I don't know. It's like he went. He skipped from whole milk to 2% and doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> Seriously, he is just a shadow of the player that he was and a further shadow of the player we thought he could be. Yeah. It, and then I, I'll end the, the price downs with three, three downtrodden guys that are getting a lot of uh, transfer news. Hagazi was everybody's darling the first, first two weeks or first three weeks. He had 23 points since then. He's got 14 points. How about that? Uh, Henrik McTarian has gone down. He had 26 points in his first three games, 27 in the games remaining after that. That's not very good. Uh, and then Hen- uh, Romelu Lukaku, he's at Kevin. You know what the bizarre thing is? He has assists in two of the last three games, yep. and he only has nine touches in his last in the in the box in his last Ooh. four games. Wow, wow, that's not uh, something uh, you. Yeah, that's, that's not something you want. That's not. Also, I points. am a big fan of the the new T box stat as well. Ooh, nice, and he's got twenty points in his last five games. That's four points average for Romelu Lukaku, where you're investing over ten dot oh. Yeah, in like not a good thing. <laughs> Yep, um, definitely agree with you there. But yeah, touches in the box is a metric I'm starting to pay more and more attention to, um, as it seems to consistently pay out. I would love for somebody to to 
really get on here and talk um, either either this or the Premier League show about expected goals. But the reason why I don't buy it as a statistic is how frequently it's wrong. Well, goals happen, goals happen freakishly right, in right. soccer. You, you know th- what I mean, though? Like, yeah. like things like touches in the box, you can track it over multiple weeks and kind of be proven right. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, Wenger has gotten expected goal stats wrong in press conferences before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was a whole season where Arsenal led the league in expected goals, but were only, like, fifth in goals scored. Over 38 weeks, you expect that to kind of normalize. Um yeah. This is almost like if anybody's listening to this and they play fantasy baseball and they like using the you know the, the metric system of mm-hmm. fantasy baseball, it's almost like BIP. You know, yeah. everybody expects you to have a higher batting average because you're putting balls in play, but it doesn't always equate that way sometimes because right. guys are faster than others, slower than the others. You know, they, they hit the, the shifts the more off trajectory. Yeah, yeah they hit they hit the, they hit through the shift more, but you know, it all equates to you know, it, this is a game and it's played by other men and things happen, luck happens, bounce of the ball. You know, swing of the bat, all that kind of things happen. So expecting things is all going good for guys who like calculator watches. Yeah. Uh, and um, with expected goals, it's very easy after a match to say who should have won. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's kind of not doesn't how football always, works. Doesn't always, hold, doesn't always hold true. <laughs> exactly. And listen, we're, we're, we both like metrics. I'm, I'm probably more heavy on that side in this sport, although you, you obviously do a lot of it in baseball. Um, so it's not like we're coming to this from an anti-stats perspective. I just think there needs to be more work done. Uh, unexpected goals before we can really yeah. base opinions off of it uh, and project from it. Anyway, well, this is this this is the next step, uh, next stat category for fantasy soccer that's based off of possession. Look at the Italy Italy game versus mm. Sweden the other day. Italy had almost seventy seven percent possession in the game, and they still lost. Yeah, I mean, you know, they still lost. You know, they're still out of the of the tournament because it's having ownership between possession and meaningful possession. Exactly. It, it means nothing. You can hold the ball for 80 minutes and then you know take five shots in the last 10 and still lose. Mm-hmm. So. You sure can. Um, <laughs> all right, now that we're done uh, trashing other statistics despite uh, trying to convince you of the upcoming players with statistics, uh, <laughs> here is our starts and sits. I suppose here are your starts and sits. Um, for me up front, it was going to be uh, Glenn Murray. We've already touched on him, so I'll move on uh, and talk about Sir Harold Kane. Um, as we talked about on the last show, uh, has scored a brace after every blank thus far this season. He blanked in his previous match week. Leads the league in goals. Um, and uh, has six goals in the last five North London derbies, which wow. is a pretty good record. Fun fact, you were talking earlier about um, the Tottenham and uh, Arsenal defenses. Um, first of all, Tottenham have never lost a Premier League match to Arsenal under Mauricio Pochettino and have never been held goalless under Mauricio Pochettino, which obviously condemns the Arsenal defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, out of their last 10 matches, uh, in eight of them, both teams scored. So even the Tottenham defensive side has a little bit of a question mark. For a little extra exclamation point on this one, Mike Dean is the referee in this. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this out there for you. In what percentage of matches that Mike Dean is refereed do you think there's been a penalty or a red card? Of this year or career? Career. Oof. It's probably close to 25%. Which you think is high, right? Yeah. 43% wow. of wow. matches Mike Dean has refereed in his wow. career. And this is not a small sample size. This is 200 <clears throat> plus matches have wow. had a red card or a penalty. That is insane. Um, anyway, obviously Harry Kane and uh, either Alexis or Lacazette, the, the potential beneficiaries of that, 
but um, was just looking through some some referee statistics when I saw he was assigned our match. Um, because you know both <laughs> when this uh refereeing ass- an assignment was announced, mm-hmm. fans on both sides were groaning, saying that it benefited the other team. Um, and so I like tried to delve into it, and I came to that statistic: forty three percent red cards or penalties. Nothing very decisive on one side versus the other. It seems like it was pro Tottenham a little earlier in his career, and then it's kind of neutralized since. But yeah, forty three percent of matches with a red card or a penalty. Uh, in midfield. I'm going to put a question mark on one first and hear your take on it. What do you think about Cesc Fabregas now that Conte is back? Because Fabregas leads the league in chances created over the last five matches, but only has one assist there. Do, do you think he's able to hold on to his slot despite not really turning in uh, tangible performances? Or do you think he's going to miss out with Bakayoko and Conte? Uh, I think he's going to keep his spot because Chelsea needs the creativity below the top level. You know, yes, you have Hazard. Yes, you have Morata. And you have the uh, the wingbacks playing in there with Aspoqueta and Alonso. You know, Moses is also back as well. So it throws another, you know, monkey wrench into the whole thing, how they're going to line up. I don't think Moses gets in there, but it's just another name that has started games previously. Mm. Um, with Pro Esprom, Liverpool, Swansea, Newcastle on the on the next four for Chelsea, they're going to need some playmakers in there. And, yes, I like Bakayoko. Bakayoko is a, is a brute on set pieces because he's a big guy. Um, and, and Conte is basically going to have his spot. But I think that between – what Chelsea offers at the back and then what they have at the front, I think they still need a playmaker in the middle, and I think Fabregas is that guy. Cool. All right, well, I'll, I'll roll with Fabregas then. There, there are some pretty kind fixtures. Also worth a random shout, uh, Sun Hyung-min for Tottenham. Um, he's started the last four matches, which I don't think people are aware of, and he scored goals uh, twice in the period, uh, which is top five in the league. So just, just something to kind of... Gonna keep an eye on there. Um, <laughs> for defense, I mentioned that I brought him in on last week's show, much to the chagrin of everybody. Uh, was uh, he wasn't going to be included in this because I was writing an article on him, and then saw that the uh, official FPL site has beat me to the punch on Alberto Moreno. Um, yes, there is an inherent concern with bringing in a Liverpool defender. That concern being. They don't keep clean sheets. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have kept clean sheets in the last two home matches, which included that Manchester United match where you can discuss whether or not United ever attempted to attack. They didn't. Um, <laughs> but it's still two consecutive home uh, clean sheets. And then you dive a little bit deeper and you'll find that Liverpool actually have the second best home defense in the Premier League this season, mm-hmm. um, which may surprise a lot of people. Uh, so I'm willing to go with Moreno. He does have two assists in his last two Champions League matches. They were both <laughs> against Marabor, though. Um, but I, I think the the more telling thing there isn't that, oh, he got assisted against a bad team, is that he's getting in those positions, and he has won this this battle versus Milner and Andrew Robertson. And I like Robertson. I think long-term he's a really good uh, option for them. Uh, but Moreno has clearly won this job, and he's a very good attacking fullback. Uh, and I think... Uh, you know, we referenced earlier, you don't want to get the guys that have been good. You want to get the guys who could be good um, mm-hmm. looking forward. And I think Moreno is an interesting one there. Um, other defenses I like. Uh, how about the Swansea-Burnley match? Both of them bottom five in chances created. There, there's a there's a shout here for, for a nil-nil. Could one of them get sloppy? <clears throat> Swansea. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but I actually like both sides of that there. If you're in a DFS thing, I'm sure both of their prices will be pretty low. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely worth a look there, especially off the back of your uh, potential two Burnley goalkeeper thing. Also, United and Chelsea, 
two of the five best defenses in the league, both of them with very easy matchups. I uh, would expect uh, lots of clean sheet points uh, for the two clubs most affiliated with Jose Mourinho in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like a lot of your shouts on de- on defense. Uh, moving forward, if you don't own a Chelsea defender on your team, um, you need to. I think having a Chelsea defender is the way to go on defense. He's basically it's a staple item this, for moving forward. Uh, your your Moreno point is fantastic, and I'll even trump it one more. I think that Joe Gomez is is even a better is even a good a good investment at four point six. Hmm. But neither of those guys are, are my are my talking points because I'm going with the Bournemouth defender because we're talking about one week, not seven. Uh, everybody loves Charlie Daniels. Everybody's buying Steve Cook, but guess what? Steve Cook just scored. He's never going to score again. Remember what Steve Cook's goal last goal was, Kevin? Good. Oh, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with Simone Francis. He's one of the cheaper, cheapest. Uh, he's the cheapest option in there. In there, he's four point four, owned in one point two percent of leagues. When, when you're looking at a team, Charlie Daniels is nice. Steve Cook is fancy. Simone Francis is, you know, basically coleslaw. You're basically, you know, one's fried chicken, one's potatoes. You're bringing the, the side to the dinner. <laughs> a lot so, of people leave the coleslaw at the restaurant, though. You know, but I'm saying, like, he's a differential that nobody's really looking yeah. at. Everybody, everybody thinks Steve Cook looks shiny. He's only, he, you know, because he just scored and got 15, 15 points last week. Charlie Daniels is. You know, an accomplished fantasy defender. He does have things, but he's more expensive. Steve Cook, more shiny. Simone Francis plays all the time and just does everything right. Bournemouth has a nice set of fixtures coming up. I'm looking at Simone Francis 4.4. Uh, through the midfield, I don't like all this David, David Silva hate, and that's why I'm putting him in for, for my midfielder this week. Interesting. Um, C- City is going to win this game. Um, you know, Sterling and Sané and De Bruyne get all the attention, I think, through the midfield there. And I think Silva coming off the the Spain game where he had Spain international where he had two goals and an assist. I think that's going to carry over a little bit. And David Silva doesn't sit for Man City. He plays almost every single game. Hmm. I think he's I think he's only missed like fifty one minutes all year. That's that's what I, I remember right. Yeah, thirteen and fifteen. There you go. Twenty eight minutes. He's missed twenty eight minutes all year compared to what Sane did and rotation wise, what Sterling does rotation wise, and what De Bruyne did a couple games where he was injured and I think he, he even came on as a sub for one game. But so from a from a consistency standpoint, eight dot whatever eight dot five David Silva, I'm taking him all day against a lesser team that's probably going to struggle to maintain the uh, the playmaking ability of Man City. Uh, and on to my striker. I held this out for so long because we I I didn't want to bring up who I was think I was going <laughs> to punt down to for my striker thing. Everton strikers to me are so intriguing right now because they have a new manager in place. Kind of. He is lo- he, he is looking, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But he is looking for some kind of structure there. He wants that job long term. He's not going to get it, but he wants it. Yeah. So he's looking to get the most out of Everton as possible. What have you noticed about Everton lately that they've been playing better wise because of someone playing in a certain position. It's their best player on the pitch. It's Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yeah. He's since moved from a center position to a wide position, which has basically moved two strikers to the forefront instead of having Rooney and then a striker in front of him. Yeah. You know, basically when they have Calvert-Lewin and Omar Nias, so my, I'm talking about Omar Nias here. I think mm-hmm. Omar Nias is their only out-and-out striker on the team. I love Calvert-Lewin to the heavens and back, <laughs> but Omar Nias is Everton's lone entity into the striker realm here. At 4.9, you are saving so much money here. You're going to play him at Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace has, is one of the worst defense, defenses in the, in the league. They're bottom three. So you're going to play him against them compared to a, a fourth midfielder or a fourth midfielder because the, the intriguing value of him is he may score if he starts. 
But I think the Everton, the way that they're setting up, I think he's going to play. That's why I like him. I think mm-hmm. that he's going to be their, them going forward. This is like um, – he's based, I'm equating him to when Abel Hernandez was fit for, for Hull last year. Remember when Abel Ooh, Hernandez yeah. got in, got in there for, for several games in a row and did fantastic things? This is what I think is going to happen with, with Omar Nias. I'm not saying it's going to start this week. It may start next week. But based on what I'm looking at right now with them at Crystal Palace this week, I'm jumping all over that right now at 4.9, especially on D- and DFS this week. Invest all your money in Omar Nias if he starts. Yeah, uh, one. And the scoring yeah. record has been solid. Yeah, and he and he, he scores like he scores a goal. I think he's scoring a goal every uh, 80, 88 minutes this year or something like that. That's it's about crazy. one per game for those playing yeah. at home. <laughs> yeah. So uh, on to my sits. I'll I'll, uh, I'll start up top. Funny, we're talking ad nauseum about Glenn Murray, and I'm talking. I'm going to say sit Glenn Murray again for right at at five point eight. Don't be a lemming this week. You know nobody likes lemmings. I talk about them all the time. I guess they are playing Stoke, and Stoke is what a bottom eight defensive team. Um, Brighton is pretty good at home. I don't care. Brighton just doesn't create enough chances for me. They have eleven goals all year. They have <clears throat> they have four Stoke blanks. Actually, the fourth worst defense. They, four, there you go. So fourth worst. See, I didn't yeah. lie. They said they were in the bottom eight. <laughs> you you were correct. So so Brighton just doesn't create enough for me. They have eleven goals on the year. Four of those games are blank goal goal scoring games, and the other games they only have they have three goals in one game, and then one goal in every every other game. So that's not very good. Uh, through the midfield. Uh, I I love his price. I love his return. He's the highest scoring formed midfielder right now, and that's Aaron Ramsey. But look at his upcoming schedule: Spurs and Burnley. I'm gonna pass because the defense seems like it's better than what Arsenal is gonna put out offensively. Um, I I love Aaron Ramsey's price. Like I said, 27 points in his last three games. That's nine points a game. That's fantastic. And he's only in 5.7 percent of leagues. I'm passing on the Arsenal midfielder on defense. Uh, I mentioned it before when I when I read the, the price downs and Ryan Bertram was in there. Southampton defenders are just not where it's at right now. Um, they're not returning anything. Bertrand owned in 9.4% of leagues. Cedric, 8.1% of leagues. Um, how many of those leagues are dead? Probably a lot because if you're paying attention, Southampton is not anywhere you want to be investing your, your, your shekels right now. Yeah, um, <clears throat> on to me talking about my sits. Uh, my first sit is going to be Lukaku. We mentioned the Pogba effect earlier. Um, Lukaku had four goals in four with Pogba, only three goals in seven without him. Um, there are uh, decent matchups, but this is not enough for me with Lukaku. You mentioned his price earlier. He, he needs to earn his way back into my team. I'm not just going to give him a flyer. Uh, and bring him in uh, out of nowhere. I am looking to upgrade from Vardy. It was supposed to be to Aguero, and following my point earlier, I am going to back that up because I am hesitating on bringing Aguero in because of this. <laughs> Do I think it's a long-term issue? No. But I I, I can't stand the, the thought of me going into a minus four to put Aguero in and then him not starting, right? Like just, just that horrible pep syndrome is just something I'm not interested in right now. Um in uh, midfield, I'm on the anti-David Silva train. Yes, he did well with internationals, but he's not top five in any creative metric over the last five matches. And while we do view Manchester City as this unstoppable juggernaut of an attack, they do have three top ten defenses in the next five matches. Um, and while that may not you know, mean that City are going to lose any of those, it could mean that it's you know, two goals instead of four. 
um, which obviously decreases the odds because there are so many mouths to feed in that attack. If they aren't scoring, you know, three plus goals, somebody's going to be missing out every match. Um, so I am leaning off David Silva right now. I've moved to Richarlison, who, mentioning the touches in the box stat right now, uh, currently leads the league with 49 touches in the box, while Silva's teammates, Sané and Sterling, follow him up in second and third there. Um, in defense, I already mentioned the Tottenham Arsenal stat. I uh, prematurely shared that statistic. Uh, but as I said, both teams have scored in eight of the last ten North London derbies, uh, not something that necessarily inspires confidence in either of those defenses, especially considering the fact that uh, the wingbacks at Tottenham are so unclear. Trippier and Rose, both rested by England today, means that, you know, if they had played today, then you could make a cha- case, oh, it's easy, it's going to be Aurier Davis. Can't do that anymore. Very, very frustrating uh, from that sense. Um, but I, I think the rest of, and I mentioned earlier, the rest of the big defenses are teams you like. Uh, even including Liverpool. Um, so that's that. Uh, moving on to moves we made. I think I mentioned it last show. Already moved Silva to Richarlison. Was planning on upgrading Vardy to Aguero. I think I'm going to just wait a week again. I know how silly that is. Because <laughs> everybody's been just sitting on Vardy for like two months now. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm going to give him one more week, TM, in theory. Um, because then we'll have a better sense of the Aguero thing. And we'll have a better sense of a Pogba thing in case I wanted to upgrade to Lukaku instead of to Aguero, which I think would be a very interesting choice. I could just shift Diof over if I wanted to, but I'm not really going to play him this week anyway. I like my defense as is. Oh, I'll just roll into that, and then, Rob, you can just double up um, when we come over to yours. But I'm actually thinking about playing a back four, assuming Phil Jones is okay, which it sounds like he is, but he was withdrawn for England in the first match, so there's a chance he misses. I think I'm going to run a 4-5-1. You mentioned nice. earlier statistics like a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, but listen, you have, for me, you have Moreno versus Southampton. Southampton, horrible in attack this season. Zonka versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth also not good in attack. Steven Ward versus Swansea, who have scored the fewest, uh, who have notched the fewest chances created this year. And Phil Jones versus Newcastle, obviously united with the most clean sheets this season. I think all four of those are good enough matchups. Obviously, you usually do kind of a three-man rotation with four people. Um, but I'm actually thinking about playing all of them to avoid Vardy versus Manchester City across the midfield. This is going to sound a little chalky, but uh, Sterling, Eriksen, Richarlison, Gross, and Salah love Salah. The big C for me is on Kane, despite how many good matchups are in my team this week. Uh, mm. I'm I'm super backing my Kane call to the hilt here. Does not fail to score against Arsenal. Does not fail to score, having failed to score previously, uh, unless it's the month of August. And again... Um, <laughs> have scored in every match against Arsenal. Uh, Tottenham have under Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just super on that cane. He wears the C for me this weekend. Rob, what moves are you making, and what's your team going to look like come the weekend? You know, I'm basing my whole team on hoping that Aguero is fit, so I really haven't structured any form or matter of what I'm going to do until I hear something more, you know, cognitive there. Definitive. Um, yeah, uh, I'm waiting for... You know, I, I I would if Aguero is out, he'd be, I have two free chancers. I would probably pivot off of him and and like Jamie Vardy would stay in my team again. Um, so Aguero would probably go to probably Kane, and then I would probably just you know steal steal money from somewhere else and upgrade midfield. I I kind of have a love affair for Shakiri right now from the midfield. I'm I'm rost- I'm still rostering uh, Matt Ritchie. They're the same price, um, but 
but Shakiri is being more involved in the attack, and they do have a decent enough fixture where I think that they score against Brighton. Um, and then I had, do have I still own Oda Mende. I still have the question mark with Jones, but I do have Stephen Ward. Um, I have a Swansea defender that's going to play, and I have a Newcastle defender that isn't. So there's some changes to be made in my team. I'm just it all hinges on on the Aguero news. Um, so it'll probably be a, a late a last minute Friday night happy hour. Rob's drunk. Let's do let's go crazy and take a minus twelve. Yeah, uh, definitely interesting from you. Um, that will wrap us up. Uh, almost to the hour mark, even after a couple of short shows in a row there. So hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Rob, tell the folks where they can get at you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FPL underscore MNOP, or you can find my writings and stylings on fantasy soccer and, or football, if you choose, or and baseball when it comes back around on rasball.com. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find my writings over at goal.com. Uh, we both also host a uh, DFS show for VIPbet.com. It's a video every week. Uh, and streams at, what time is that, 4 p.m. U.S., so 9 p.m. U.K. Uh, so be sure to turn, tune into that. It's on the VIP Bet YouTube channel, uh, which you can find by searching VIP Bet, understandably. Uh, again, that'll do it for us today. Uh, Rob, good to have you back on. Good to get back in the swing of things. Uh, we hope you guys get excited about this coming weekend, and best of luck to your teams. Peace. Hey.